0: and a renowned XRP educator, someone who has enlightened the community for years with her Tokyo crypto updates, and an honorary member of our 3T team, Crypto Eerie is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Warren Buffett states crypto is exploiting the gambling addiction of the masses while doubling down on his digital asset investments, holding over 400 Bitcoin and 5% of a Ripple ODL partner. Ethereum Chappella upgrade is set to take place this afternoon, potentially unleashing 18 million Ethereum tokens into the open market. MasterCard is launching a cross-border payment solution, while Elon Musk was calling out BBC reporters for claiming hateful content is running rampant on Twitter. And the financial system is shifting before our eyes. We break down the details, showing our community how the IMF launching a CBDC is a pivotal step in this digital revolution. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast... Our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we have a very special guest in the building, and ironically enough, we had some great news, specifically in regards to Japan, so that's really exciting. How are you feeling this morning, my friend? Thank you for being here, Johnny. Abs, I'm feeling great.
1: I'm super excited, but in 24 hours, we are going to see all your beautiful faces at the Freedom Conference in Arizona. If you haven't got your tickets, click below. You've got one day left to come and see us all, but... I'm also super excited because it's been a while. We've got our friend Crypto Airy here in the house. Eddie, welcome to the show. It's great to see you again. And as I always say, let me start this out like we always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Van Hoof and Gary, Ivan, Mr. Doc, You guys show up every single day. I know I didn't catch all you guys, but I love you guys. I appreciate you for showing
0: up every single day like true words. And also good morning to Andrew. Great to see you, brother always excited when we have the cash flow king in the building and for all of our listeners out there this is andrew's first episode in america so congratulations on that andrew how are you feeling this morning and thank you for making time for us
2: yeah good morning everybody now i really can say good morning because else it was always 5 p.m for me in the netherlands so um yeah it really feels very good to be here i had an excellent trip yesterday from amsterdam to uh, via houston to uh, to here in uh, in phoenix and now i'm in a hotel in uh, in, uh, in mesa so uh, yeah tomorrow we have the our dry runs and then the day after you know we have our 3t uh, conference i'm looking so much forward and i'm very honored that i am participating with our special guest erie I- in this uh, in this episode so uh really looking forward to a great show welcome everybody and uh, see you Amazing. And crypto, thank you so much for making time for us. What
0: has my attention this morning is the potential of the IMF collaborating to launch a central bank digital currency. But I know you're going to break that down for our listeners later on. How are you feeling? And thank you for making time for us. I would say this morning, but it's nighttime in Japan.
3: Yeah, it's just a little after midnight. I'm doing great. And it's wonderful to see Johnny and Andrew and Abs. Thanks for inviting me again. Uh, Yeah, this Umu coin that came out on a very official looking press release is turning out to be um nothing but looks like wow kind of crazy scam coin um it's got if you look at the website it's very amateur if you look at the uh the the tweets from its twitter page the last time they well they joined in june of 2022 they only have two tweets and and There is nothing going on. I think this DCMA, the Digital Currency Monetary Authority, is uh, trying to pull a fast one on everyone. I don't think Unicoin is a real uh, project, nor do I think we should give it any um, sort of... (laughs) uh, what, What this really does show is that there's an incredible need for verifiable, trusted... Uh, market releases, you know, we just don't know what's true and what isn't anymore. And um, I think that uh, there is just a lot of room for improvement when it comes to verifying what we are reading out there. So I don't think this is anything we need to um, uh, worry about. The, The thing that's interesting, though, is Unicoin is also the name of a coin that is coming out of the Unicorn Hunter's which is Rosie Rios, so that I feel I feel bad for her and the team because I think there's going to be a little crossover of mix-up, and people are going to think that this unicorn hunter coin is the same as this company that tried to go on the on the coattails of the IMF. Yeah, um, yeah. is the same, but it's not. It's just one of those real unfortunate situations. But the point is, is that we have to verify. All of the information that is given to us out there because you can't trust anything.
0: And we're going to talk about that right at the beginning of today's show. But before we get into it, guys, we got 287 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button in Crypto Erie. I actually take that as positive news. The IMF not launching a CBDC. I feel a little bit better this morning, but we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to our whole team. We're at 3,677 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, sitting at a 65. When we check out some of the daily movers, it is red across the board. We've got Hex down about 9% and nothing else really worth addressing. When we look at the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.22 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 47% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin back below 30,000 at 29,800. Ethereum 1,900. XRP is 50 cents. Cardano is 40. XLM is 10 cents. And we'll scroll down to Quant Network sitting at 122. In crypto area, we had a great conversation with one of our friends, Jenna X, on the show yesterday. The two most boring coins in the market are Algorand and Stellar. But ironically enough, when you look at the building, you look at the development, those are actually some of the most exciting projects in the market today. But before I get a response from you, let's get right into this Elon Musk interview and show our listeners why it's so important to identify real news versus fake stories.
4: Content you don't like or, or hateful? What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah. I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a reaction something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist those kinds of those kinds of things so you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist it should be banned? no is that what you're saying I'm not saying anything I'm well, saying' curious I'm trying to say what you mean by hateful con-
2: content and I'm asking for specific examples um and if and you just said that if something is slightly sexist that's hateful
4: content does that mean that it should be banned? well you've asked me you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more, it, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's why I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't even, I, I, honestly, you I don't. You name I, a single I'll, example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore, because I, I just don't particularly like it. You and actually, you a, lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only well, want, I need of a second, you said you've following. seen more helpful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. I'm not sure, sure. I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks, and I well, How, how did you like. see that helpful content? content? Uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether, whether it has on Give my me one or you want, I mean, I, right, and you, we get get one. like the stri- the, uh, stri-
0: yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it right there, Johnny crypto. And if that doesn't tell you why it's so important to get <laughs> verified sources, I don't really know what you're waiting for, but here's the open floor, my friend. What's it mean to you?
1: Oh my God. I could watch that all day. You know, this is the problem with society. Everybody's it's like, it's like, Oh, I can't even say it on the air what I want to say. It's like, it's like buttholes. Everybody has one, right? It's opinion. So the reality is, think about this guy. He's coming out and he's telling me like, oh, you should ban this. You should ban that. And then when he asked for a simple example, the guy can't even get an example. All this guy's doing is regurgitating stuff he's hearing from other people, has no opinion of his, of his, his own opinion, obviously. Because if you had your own opinion of what you thought was hateful, you would have been able to give an example right on the spot, right? But instead he couldn't. Because all he is, is just a, he's just a parrot. You know what a parrot does? You're walking down, hello, hello. parrot just repeats what everybody else says. And that's what this guy, his name's Parrot for the on. He's another rat snake weasel. And I'm so glad that Elon called him out because I'm tired of the whole world society saying, oh, we got to be in this, we got to be in that, da, 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 And you can't even give an example of what you got to be in. No, we're free. We're supposed to be able, everybody's supposed to be an adult. And listen, if you don't like something you don't hear, you know what? Just turn it off. Change the channel. Delete the tweet change it, skip it. I just don't understand why we want everybody to ban everything because basically what you're doing then is you're saying, Hey, we're incompetent of managing our own stuff. So we want you to take it from us and then ban it for us. No, that's ridiculous. I just, I mean, that's just me. I'm old school. That's what I think. Good for Elon. I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad he called him out. And I'll bet that that reporter, which his name is parrot for now on, I don't think he's going to be interviewing Elon for a while. Abs.
0: Andrew, and this is just one of the reasons I'm excited about Elon Musk purchasing Twitter and not letting somebody like Mark Zuckerberg come in and decide what conversation should and shouldn't be had on these platforms. But the biggest thing that catches my attention is they're trying to paint this picture. They're trying to paint Twitter in a very specific way. They're trying to say, since Elon purchased Twitter the hateful speech has gone up. And the reason that they're doing that is to try and prove people that Elon and the promotion of free speech only leads to a negative place. I'd love to hear what it means to you. This is a BBC reporter and Elon Musk. What stuck out to you, Andrew?
2: You know, th- that's why I love Elon. I- I'm not, I'm sometimes, I'm a little bit in doubt about, about even what, of what what he's doing, but I saw a documentary in the airplane about, about Elon Musk and what he's doing also with SpaceX and with, with Tesla. And then I my God this ve- this this guy goes beyond human I mean he is such a brilliant guy and then I even admire him more that he even takes the time to to sit down at the BBC and talk to such a yeah red snake weasel that that, that, that Johnny always says it's fantastic and you let, let me tell you one thing what he is going to do with uh, with, 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 with Twitter I think it will be the We chat of, uh, of, the, of of the of the yeah, of the yeah of the world the 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 WeChat is currently a, a, a Chinese application you you know it probably uh, every you know it very well I think he's building that and why is he doing that then he can make so much I hope real news in the world and be a counterpart and a counterforce of all the BS that is currently in the in in the regular media and the regular stuff. The more you listen to something, the more you believe it, and the more people like to be in a in a in an echo chamber. And this BBC guy is in such an echo chamber. He is only not aware he is in there. And Elon just told him, and that's why I love uh, love Elon
0: so much. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Andrew brought it up himself. Right now, WeChat is the largest. Uh, application on the planet with over a billion users, I believe I heard you saying in your video from yesterday. And Elon Musk has already stated publicly, he is trying to copy that product. So what catches your attention about this interview? And how do you feel about Elon Musk changing Twitter into x.com?
3: Yeah, I did cover it in my video yesterday. And I really, I reading the comments that came on to the video, I really understand there's a, a, a vast amount of um, opinion and, and it and it's and it's totally across the board the, the thing about the b2bc guy i think he lost his credibility and when you're in media you can never gain that back so i think that guy's over and um, that's his own fault he he did it to himself in terms of of wechat it is powerful they've got a billion users everybody uses it for everything in their in their in their life in china um I don't like the fact that one platform has so much control and dominance. So I, w- I would hope that there are some other players because I think if you go down a road where you have one dominant player, that's not a good thing. But I am excited to see if he'll uh, incorporate some sort of monetization on Twitter. That would be really wonderful for a lot of people who are trying to do uh, great research and to provide um, the information out there that everybody needs. Uh, I think there's some real opportunity. so i'm I'm cautious so i'm I'm cautious and i and I hope that he takes with him this power that he has and does it for good. That's what I hope for.
0: Johnny Crypto. Another thing that catches my attention about what's happening today is the IMF. We are going to talk about how they're launching a potential central bank digital currency product, but Elon Musk just a couple of weeks ago changed the emblem in the top left-hand corner of Twitter to the Dogecoin emoji. So I'm going to make a leap here. If they do ever decide to add payments to Twitter, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dogecoin was one of the first currencies integrated. Does that make you bullish on that specific project? Or what do you think about that? Me, me saying that that's inevitable?
1: You know, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, could Doge be something when it was just literally a joke meme coin to start out with? But I guess if you get, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the best technology doesn't always win, but the ones that get adopted do. And a guy like Elon with the kind of potential he has now with Twitter, if it's big enough, could he create some momentum where Doge catches on? And then if it becomes big enough, other people, other companies adopt it. Maybe it's, you know, it's a speculative thing for sure. And at these prices, you know, listen, I have to, this goes, I have some though, you know, for that very reason that, Hey, Maybe it does catch fire and, and I bought it a long time ago, and I haven't sold it literally because of because of Elon. If Elon two to five hundred dollars,
0: Johnny, two to five hundred. Yeah, I did the two to five. I did the
1: Andrew Castro two to five hundred dollars, and you just <laughs> set it and forget it, and that's what I've done with it. I've totally forgot I had it until Elon started talking about it again. And the reality is apps, maybe it catches fire someday. I don't think it has a real world use case solvability issue, you know, like where, where XRP and other things do, but Will it, and I know crypto Area has some, so I'm going to kick it over to her. But uh, but I do think that because there is force behind it, maybe someday it could be something you know very possible.
3: Well, I I think you can't deny that it has been integrated into Flare, right? It's one yes, of yes, that's so, true too. So so it will have utility, and it will have a chance to be utilized. And I I'm all for the underdog, and I think that any any project that is adopted by the masses. Um, can be whatever it wants to be. So I, I I I give it a two two thumbs up. If if people want Doge to be an important part of the ecosystem, then go for it.
0: And you brought it up yourself. Coinbase is finally distributing the Flare airdrop. I'd love to get some brief comments. And we are going to talk about how the SEC's enforcement action in America is only getting started as they've added over 20 lawyers to their litigation team. So we've got some big news coming up. But what does it mean to you that Coinbase has not only stated they're going to list Flare, but has finally started to distribute the Flare token?
3: Is that a question for me? Oh, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's just absolutely fantastic. I, I actually, I wasn't a doubter. Um, I read that they're a public company. And so what they stated that they were going to do it in Q1 and they were late to do it, but they would do it. And I guess I just never uh, doubted that they would. So um, I think it's wonderful for those people who have waited that long. Um, they did miss out on one of the big drops. If you delegated, the big drop on the 17th of March, I believe it was, was quite amazing. That was really wonderful. Um, but but now they'll be um, soon participating for those who want to delegate. And yeah, I I just think it's, uh, it's great. I'm happy for everybody. I think there's just a few that still, the exchanges, it's almost 100% now that that confirmed that they were on, I think, uh, what is it, Uh, Revolut, right? They still have not um, come through, but I hope that for those people who had flair on that platform that that they come through for them
0: and it is exciting although flares flares price and i know this is funny for a lot of retail investors out there we've dropped from about 50 percent sorry 50 cents before the distribute the distribution to the oracle providers now we're all the way down to three cents so one of my friends he called me yesterday and he said enjoy your 15 dollar airdrop now of course it's just a joke but i do think it applies we've we've seen the majority of profit leave Flare. so now if you are getting this token sit in wait for the long term and as the utility comes into this market Flare is in a great position to take advantage. Are, do you oh, agree, Ari?
3: Oh, uh, the Flare technology is phenomenal, and the um, the FTSOs with their state connector and the ability with the EVM contracts and you know the the verifiable data that comes from that um, state connector is really second to none in the industry. So. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of really quality projects that show up on Flare, and I think the platform has, has fantastic potential.
0: Andrew Cashel, I'd love to get an update and an opinion from you as well. We are going to show our listeners a brand new update from John Deaton in regards to why he believes it's impossible for the SEC to win all four prongs of the Howey test. But before we do that, what are you thinking? Would you put two to $500 in Flair? And how do you feel about Elon Musk potentially adding this token to Twitter? Sorry, I meant to say Dogecoin, not Flair.
2: Dogecoin? You put,
0: yes. Would you put two to $500 into Dogecoin based on Elon Musk's endorsement?
2: No. <laughs> I know John, Johnny has Doge. I don't have any Doge. I don't have any other meme coins. You know, I know I'm I'm an airdrop hunter. I, if I will get it for free, I'll hold it and I hold it for for a long time. If it if it gets if, if it becomes a lot of money, I'll cash out 50% immediately and I'll leave it leave it there forever. But Doge, no, I I, I put my horses uh, in another race, and that's more the the, the reliable coins. And uh, you know what what Johnny already said. In small coins, you know, you can do it, maybe two hundred, maybe five hundred dollars. But Johnny Crypto, know. it's like you
0: always say, you only need one horse in this race to win to get you that generational wealth opportunity. But guys, we got four hundred and thirteen live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. We got crypto eerie in the building. So of course, we're talking some XRP, and we've got a brand new update from John Deaton this morning discussing why Ripple may win this lawsuit.
4: I'm confident that the judge will say that secondary market sales are not in play, that secondary market sales of XRP are not securities, that the token itself is not a security. And I say that just because of XRP holders, Amicus brief, Coinbase, Amicus brief, blockchain association, digital chamber of commerce, and the slew of others, so spend the bids, at anyone else that Tapjets, jets, Ibernet, all of that. There's so much attention on this case, I think she will feel morally obligated to have to address those issues, even though she technically doesn't. If she wanted to try to avoid them, I don't think she will. I think we have a great judge, and we will see.
0: Johnny, I love this quote right here because it ties into the interview we had with Jeremy Hogan last week. But one of the quotes that I remember Jeremy saying to us specifically is, "The longer it takes for a summary judgment, the more favorable that is for Ripple." And I'd love to get your opinion. What's it mean to you, up? Well,
1: that's that's kind of normal in any jury. You know, when you have a jury, for sure, usually the longer they say uh, it is in favor. But uh, you know, I think in this case. What's really important for me, when we talked to Jeremy last week, I didn't realize the significance or important of these amicus briefs, and I was wondering what they were, right? And as we got to talk to him, what you found out was it's not very common for them to be that many in a court case. Normally, if you get one or two, it's a lot, and there's like over 14 of them or even more. So they're very, very significant, and it it certainly has to play, it should play a role in the judge's eyes that you got all these amicus briefs coming out saying, Hey, we're using this freaking thing as currency, not as security. And so I would hope, I would hope the judge would factor those in considering there's so many um, and it's proof in the pudding that's basically you're saying these things are not a security. And, and so I almost agree with John that yes, I, or D and I would say that I think in the long run, we already know that all Brad wants, Brad will pay a fine. You're pay a fine for 2013. He doesn't care. Just come out and say that these things going forward are not a security, and that you've got 14 or more amicus briefs basically supporting that that narrative. Abs. So I kind of agree with Deaton. He is putting some pressure on the judge. I think that's why he did that. But I think there's some truth there that those things will matter in that case. Let's hope so.
0: Crypt area. I'd love to hear what stuck out to you. What do you believe was most important about John Deaton's statements? And then I'd love to play just about 20 seconds of our interview from Jeremy Hogan.
3: Yeah, well, I think John is, you know, he's he's keyed in, he's tuned in, he knows the law, he has been uh, uh, there in the trenches fighting, and the fact that uh, the actual um, asset itself is not a security, and he can prove that. Um, The interesting thing is the judge is going to have assistance in writing that summary, and she has at least a couple of probably um, clerks that are that are helping or put that information together so um, I do think that taking a little bit of time shows that they are doing their research and really making sure that they do the right um, they take the right step forward because this is so crucial to the entire space so I'm I'm feeling positive as well uh, just like John is.
0: Johnny, I'd love to give you just another update before I play the video. Do you remember what Jeremy Hogan said to us about how this could affect all crypto cases going forward if Ripple and the SEC do decide to settle that would only be beneficial to Ripple, and it would actually be terrible for the rest of the crypto industry. And you know what it reminded me of? Remember when Charles Hoskinson, this is so funny, somebody actually just commented right, Charles Hoskinson's name as I brought that up. But Charles Hoskinson on December 15th, which is my birthday, put out a video and said that he heard some news that there was a Ripple settlement in the works and that it was going to be devastating for the rest of the industry. I'd love for you to elaborate on what Jeremy Hogan brought up to us. If there is a settlement, that's bad. But if the judge makes a ruling, that could be what... Um, what they use for all enforcement cases going forward.
1: That's correct. So what he said was, we asked him what, what, what would be the better outcome or scenario, right? And so for Ripple themselves and XRP, if there's just a settlement, it's very, very good news for Ripple, for XRP and all XRP holders, because it gives clarity to that one particular case in that instance, and that's it. What it doesn't do is it doesn't then Everybody thinks that when we get the when this case comes to an end, that we're going to have a ruling and it's going to define crypto, and you're going to have the Ripple test replace the Howey test. And that is actually not true if we get a settlement, but it is very true if we were to get a, a ruling. Although it's not as strong of a ruling until it goes to the next level. If you remember, he said when it gets to the appellate level, when the appellate level makes that final decision. Then it becomes set in stone and it's a very, very strong precedent that would kind of replace where the ripple test replaced the Howie test. However, what he also said was if ripple wins this first rule, he does not believe that the sec would appeal it ab. So they would never let it get to that next level where it really sets that precedent, but what he called binding precedent, because if he, if it does go there, then the sec loses all their teeth it's like ripping you know stick your hand in the dog and rip his teeth out the sec loses all its power so we're probably never going to get to that level we'll probably get to this first level where this judge will make a decision hopefully hopefully rule and rule in favor of xrp and that will help set some kind of precedent that the industry can now point to and say hey remember in that case when you tried to sue us for this being a security, and they can go to this case and it can kind of help set the ground. So hopefully that gives some clarity on what Jeremy said. Um, basically abs the difference between a settlement only good for XRP and a an initial judge ruling, good
0: for the whole industry, but an appellate ruling, extremely good for the whole industry. Good. There. I'd love to hear if you have any comments on Johnny's statements. Long story short, what I understood is the SEC is incentivized to settle. We've seen no indication of that so far. So I'd love to hear your opinion.
3: Um, I think Johnny's right on. I, I wanted to say that uh, Darren Moore had a video just in the last 24 hours that was in a Twitter space with um, Novogratz. And so there was some interesting comments made by Novogratz. He seems to have some information. He started to talk about the settlement, and then he stopped himself. And if you have a chance to go see Darren's video, you can hear that because he plays a portion of that Twitter space. And it sounds very much like uh, what Charles Hoskinson was saying. So I don't know that if he does have information, wouldn't doubt it just because of the circles that he runs in. Um, But it looks like it could be very um, well. Very interesting. You got to listen to Novogratz when he's in that Twitter space. That's that's what I want to say. I don't want to speculate, but I think that, that there is a lot of speculation and, and chatter out there as to what is coming down.
1: Which would almost lead you to believe then that a settlement is coming because a settlement is only literally good for Ripple and, and not the rest of the industry. And obviously, if you're Charles or anybody else in this industry, you don't want a settlement. You want an actual ruling. So right. it's very possible from their perspectives, Abs, if they're saying this is not going to be good, what they might be speculating is meaning it's not going to be good for them or any of the other cryptos, but I it actually, right. wouldn't. yeah, that's what yeah. it sounds like they're, they're referring to, uh, CryptoAerie.
0: Absolutely. And guys, I'm doing my best to pull up that video in the background because I would love to play it for our listeners for just another 15 to 20 seconds here. Yeah. Go ahead We could talk about this while you're pulling that up. I, I think
1: you know, and Andrew, do you have any take on what your thoughts are in terms of this? Uh the
2: ruling and, and where you now, think this might, might roll. I'm, I'm I'm a little bit in doubt. What will what will Ripple do? And is it tempting for Ripple themselves to go for a settlement instead of to say, you know, we want to be more or less the savior of the whole crypto industry? And say okay we want to have a ruling that is good for everybody in the industry i mean there is a lot of money at stake and i i can imagine that it is a tough decision for for ripple and, and 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 the people there what what to do and and but i hope they will go for for the good of the whole crypto industry and to that that we get clear rulings and clear clear regulation because that will be the 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 winning uh yeah direction for, for this new industry.
0: And what's so exciting about Mike Novogratz commenting on the Ripple case, Johnny, is the fact that he's known for having inside sources. And I believe in this video, they draw the connections between Charles Hotskins' statements in December and Mike Novengratz's statements today. So we're gonna play this short video and go right back to the group. Here we go.
2: First piece of information comes from a Twitter space and I caught Mike Novogratz talking
1: about
4: XRP and Ripple. And what he has to say. As much as people think I, I don't like XRP, I'm cheering for Ripple to win that case. Be loud and clear. I want them to win, um, uh, but I worry about that one because if lose that, people are going to like, oh, we're going to lose all the cases. And I think you got to be very careful that you know each one of these things, and you know, is taken separately. And you and you read the fine the fine print of the of the ruling. Anyway, I've been talking too long. I'll shut up. He's been talking.
0: I'd love to give you a chance to comment there, Ari. What what stuck out to you about Mike Novogratz's statements? I believe it ties into what we just discussed with Jeremy Hogan about how this case is setting precedent for the whole industry.
3: Yeah, if you if you heard what Darren says after that is that he believes he interpreted that as Novogratz was stopping himself from talking any further, and that we want to be careful to he's he's was warning the industry to read the fine print because. There's a lot more to it than maybe the first impression that we're going to get when we hear what the um, judgery, the judgery, the uh, su- the uh, summary judgment is. But I, I I think that you're right though. I think that it probably will be um, leaning towards a more favorable um, view for for XRP and maybe not the the entire industry is going to be able to benefit from it. That's that's just a possibility and that everybody's going to have to fight their individual battle. But another person who had a very good um, tweet about five hours ago on this subject is Jesse Hines. He's an attorney. And he says that it's going to be a very painful road and that we haven't seen the worst yet. But at the end of the day, this is all going to create an um, environment where we all do benefit from all this regulation. It's just the process that we're going to go through is going to be incredibly difficult. But at the but but it when we come out at the end, we're all going to be thankful that we've got the really defined clear uh rules of the road and the and the guardrails for crypto.
1: Yeah. We talk about that all the time on the show that you know we believe that we're in four stages to get to adoption. Right. And we're in the third stage, which we call "then they fight you stage. And this is going to be a fight. When we had Yusko on the show, he projected at crypto area that we'd be sitting in a three or four year fight to about 2027 20, before all of this is done, all the regulations is placed. And really what you see happening is it feels like you have a certain segment of people who are putting their grips into crypto, getting their, 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 their foundation in play you know, you saw the NASDAQ coming in. They're going to now custody. And so you, all these, you see, you see a shifting from the the industry, which started as, you know, just a bunch of people playing in the sandbox, right, from 20, 2009 to now. And now you I think what you're seeing is the elites are saying, hey, this is real. We want to own this. We got to get our hands into this thing. And I think it's going to take a few years for that to happen. And when it does, I think you're right. Then they're going to be like, okay, we're in position now to make a whole shit ton of money off this thing. You know, launch that rocket and let this thing go to the moon and you're going to see crypto explode. But I think we're just a few years too early. But as I like to say on this show, we're in so early that it all feels like we're late. But the reality is we're not. We're just we just have to be patient. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Oh, I think you're right. I mean, we we've heard that for years. I think people are tired of hearing we're early, we're early. But I think the truth is we are early. (laughs) So it just takes a long time to uh, flesh out all of the rules of the road. And there's no doubt when we take a look at even just recently Bank of America and Fidelity making huge investments in micro strategy, that there is long term belief in this Asset class and yeah, exactly. That was really super bullish to me. I had that um, up on my Twitter feed just in the last 24 hours. So, uh, and and you take a look at the um, institutional investors that are that are playing in the space where it is defined in Singapore and Japan and Switzerland and and um, UAE and that uh, we're going to we're going to get there. Everybody, we really are going to get there, but it. I agree with Jesse Hines, it's going to be a painful road on the way.
0: And I'd love to read through this list of names very quickly for our listeners who are just on audio. You published this tweet yesterday, breaking down all of the different billion and even trillion dollar companies that are invested into MicroStrategy. Well, some of the biggest names on the planet are on this list. We've got Vanguard with a nine. Wow, these numbers are unbelievable. So. The total value of Vanguard's investment in MicroStrategies is $237 million. That is followed by BlackRock with $156 million, Bank of America sitting at sixty, million, and Fidelity, the next most important name, sitting at about $25 million invested. And I think for anybody who doesn't know, MicroStrategies... Well, they're just basically a Bitcoin company. So, Iria, yeah, I'd love to elaborate.
3: 140,000 Bitcoin now. So, I mean, if you're making an investment into microstrategies, you're getting exposure to this asset class and you've chosen to get exposure to Bitcoin. And so this speaks volumes.
0: And it maybe even speaks to why Gary Gensler has been so bold, Johnny, in stating that Bitcoin is different from all the other cryptocurrencies that exist today. Bitcoin is a commodity, while the rest of these crypto assets are securities. And we're about to discuss that right now. But before we do, we got 492 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got one of our good friends' crypto area in the building. And Johnny, right after this, We're getting on flights and we're going to Arizona. So it's a great week for our team. Just some last comments on this article before we get into regulation. How do you feel about Fidelity, BlackRock, Bank of America, some of the biggest companies on the planet purchasing Bitcoin through MicroStrategy? Well, you just just said Gary's giving them a pass. Look, look at the list. You know why? Because all
1: those people are donors to the people who put Gary in power. That's why they're getting a free pass. There's no question about BlackRock. Come on. I mean, so we we know, yeah. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get myself in trouble if I go too deep. But if you look at this list, that's a great tweet. I gotta retweet that. Thanks for sharing that, Crypto Um, uh, But but there is, this is to me, abs some degree of validation that Bitcoin is going to be here to stay and going to grow in the long run. We all know. If you look at the Fibonacci extensions for the next bull run, theoretically, Bitcoin could be over two hundred thousand, right? So at the end of the day, everybody was bashing and hammering Sailor. <laughs> but I truly think at the end of the day, Sailor is going to end up with the last laugh because Bitcoin is no longer, you, we may never see a 10,000 or 15,000 Bitcoin. Well, there may be one more retest, but we're probably never going to really see Bitcoin that low again. And Sailor will be laughing all the way to the bank. And so will all his buddies here who just bought into his company.
0: Absolutely. And Andrew Cashel, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well, but let's get right into some of our regulation content for today. As yesterday, the SEC's, Uh, the committee that advises the SEC to aggressively assert authority over crypto and says virtually all crypto tokens today are operating as securities. Now, what's most important about this is this letter was directly to Gary Gensler, and I'm going to read you a very important quote. They stole the SEC that they believe virtually all, if not all, crypto tokens are securities and that they, as well as the platforms and custodians dealing them, are subject to regulation under the federal securities laws to protect investors. It's comedy right here. What is happening? Protecting investors by going after the assets they own doesn't sound like protection to me. But Andrew, before we hear from the other members, what does this quote mean to
2: you? um let's couple this quote to the list of Eerie you know with all those uh, major people that uh, or major companies that are investing in uh, in Bitcoin and in crypto I mean and then you know enough what we already said earlier the the these major parties they are not ready yet to make their to 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 get the biggest uh, piece of the pie out 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 of out of crypto so that's why it must be delayed the whole process must be delayed and that's what's happening currently and you know we hear it so often that all cryptocurrencies are the security it it sounds like a broken record and put it at the same level as it is uh it is good for money laundering and uh, protecting your security it's all the same to me they're only yeah uh, buying time 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 and then when they are ready when they are ready with the cdbcs when they are ready uh, uh with so that banks can also custody your crypto because there is also a big um, um you know money making machine there because a lot of people be fair a lot of people think and, and and it is not so easy to custody your own crypto so they want to have it in in in, in parties that that can do it so and as long as we are not there we will f- see all those fake reasons why it is not good and then this is good and this is good and, and it's wrong and we will keep fighting so you know c- go stop one step back and say okay I love it I invest in my crypto and I'm patient you know and, and follow what's what's happening so uh, that, that's my that's my take on on the whole situation you know I, I like to have a somewhat higher uh, hel- helicopter view about things but th- this is what to my opinion what's happening It's like Coach JV says that
0: 30,000-foot overview is the way we should be looking at things. And Johnny Crypto, ironically enough, the SEC published a new article today stating that SEC is adding attorneys to its crypto enforcement unit, and the United States Securities and Exchange Commission is hiring general attorneys for its crypto enforcement division in New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco. It was initially meant to be a 20-person operation, but since has already doubled in size the attorneys joining the CACU are expected to conduct investigations involving crypto asset securities. They're going to develop litigation plans, draft legal documents, including subpoenas and conduct deposits. Now, what's really interesting is this last quote right here. It says the CACU exercises the full range of its divisions investigative and law enforcement powers and focuses on the violation of federal securities law. They may even be paying people up to a quarter million dollars to go after some of these crypto companies. But Johnny, the reason I think this is so important, because many people are trying to follow the law in America today, but can't can't find the rule book. We've had many companies come into America and say, how can we operate legally? only to be sued while trying to figure out how they could actually run their company. So what does it mean to you that the SEC's enforcement division is doubling their team from 20 to about 40 individuals suing crypto companies?
1: It's really disheartening if you're going to ask me personally, right? Because I I want to see crypto be something that's taken advantage of, innovated and grown in the US, and it isn't going to happen. It's not happening. You can see what's happening. Just just read the tea leaves, right? You don't hire twenty more enforcement officers if you want to grow something. What you do is you clarify the rules, or you go to Congress and ask for rule clarification. But what you're seeing is exactly what what we know is happening. Operation Choke Point is highly successful. They already killed two of the three on and off ramp banks in the U.S. So you lost Signature, you lost, uh, we lost Signature, we lost uh, Silvergate. The only one left is Cross River. Poor Cross River. They're going after them so hard right now, Abs. They're crushing them right now. Now they're blaming them for the whole COVID PPP funding money that they let everybody get away with, and now they're all of a sudden they're scrutinizing one bank, Cross River. Why? Come on, you yeah, this is a bunch of horse bullshit. But the reality is they're just coming after crypto, and the fact that they're hiring twenty more tells me it's very disheartening to me because I kind of was hoping, and I knew I was wrong, but I was hoping that we were kind of maybe at the end, they really squeezed and choked, you know, two of the three off off-ramps, on off-ramps. Um, and they've already hammered all the major exchanges, right? They, they, they killed Kraken. They can't stake. Nexo can't do staking. Coinbase can't do staking. They've been slapping and beating these guys all up, right? So I kind of was hoping, to be honest with you, Abs, that this was going to be, we were going to be coming towards the end of this crushing defeat. But no, the reality is, like Mark said, that then they fight you stage is going to last three to four years. And this is just more proof that we're just getting started on the crush. My only concern is how much can crypto take? There's literally one bank left that's keeping in the float on and off ramp. So it's not it's Julie, not it's not it's not encouraging for me right now.
2: Julie, the world doesn't only exist of the US. No, no,
1: no. I'm just talking strictly the US. The only <laughs> the only thing to Americans
0: know. it does. To Americans, we're the only <laughs> country <laughs> to exist.
1: No, that's not true either, but 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 you're right, Andrew. And actually, thank God crypto doesn't need to rely strictly on the US. Because if it did, it would be dead in the next year or two. I think the only saving grace, a silver lining here when you look at what crypto has for its ability to survive is the fact that you have the rest of the globe that has actually embraced it and adopting it. And I think that is going to cultivate a chance for it to grow. And then when the U.S. decides they want to stop playing around and crushing it three, four years from now, whatever crypto has become throughout the rest of the globe, I would imagine the U.S. will then adopt what is there. So rather than in in the past where the U.S. would be the innovator leading the sculpturing of what crypto is going to be, it's going to be more like
0: okay we'll just take whatever it is that's my guess and you know what johnny it's articles like this that point to the overall objective of these na- of these currencies city predicts 4 trillion in tokenized assets between now and 2030 but they're also predicting 5 trillion in central bank digital currencies to be existing in the economy by that point as well and crypto Erie, we've talked about it all the time the fed is yet to confirm the launch of a cbdc but articles like this, it seems like the decision has been made behind the scenes. And I'd love to hear you elaborate on that, as well as what we were talking about before I, uh, when it comes to crypto regulation in the United States. If we're, if what Johnny said is correct, they're convincing us central bank digital currencies are good, decentralized currencies are bad. That means that many of the currencies that we talk about every day are going to be attacked in the process of regulating crypto in the United States. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as a, as a Japanese citizen.
3: Uh, I'm I'm still an American citizen, but I have you know permanent status here in in this country. Um, the wow, there's just so much to unpack there. If I if I go back to that letter first that went to the SEC and it was directed to uh, Chairman Gensler, that had two signatures on it, and I did the research. One of those signatures is somebody who works with Senator Elizabeth Warren. So that right there tells you what motivated that particular letter. And then if you um, talk about the tokenization that is coming, they're going to also be tokenizing deposits. That is also one of the proven pilots that have been successful for cross-border remittances. So it's not only tokenizing the real-world assets, but we're also going to see the tokenization of deposits. Um, The tokenization is... Is so interesting, and um, that will eventually be what drives uh, new economies. And I think it's going to be re- a revitalized uh, component to uh, to the worldwide economy. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, so it's very an exciting part uh, of of this growing ecosystem. So I I I'm again I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be painful. I think the additional uh, enforcement people within the SEC is going to that definitely proves that we've just seen the beginning of how difficult this space is going to get. Unfortunately, United States is going to get further and further behind. Will it be able to catch up? I'm hoping it can, just because I think that that would be uh, incredibly. Sad to see all that talent leave the United States and end up in other areas of the world. But look at Hong Kong; they just they've just reversed their their stance. They they went from um, being pro, pro crypto to being against, and now they've gone back to pro. And so you have this opportunity for the stable coins also to to in, be introduced all over the globe and and can you imagine if the united states takes the position where they they don't allow a stable coin that's backed to the us dollar that just in that just kills the us dollar even further because promoting those stable coins to, that are backed by the us to be able to be used in countries that didn't have exposure to the us dollar before creates more use and demand for the dollar. So I just don't understand this uh, this approach that the United States has taken. So you, you you there's just so much to unpack there and there's each each one of those subjects you know could could talk about it for 2 hours. So I'll quit there, but it is just a huge uh the genie's out of the bottle and the United States is trying to put it back in and they're not going to be able to do it.
0: And I love this tweet that we got out of Stellar's organization yesterday. They said, stop talking about technology and start demonstrating utility. Many people took this as a shot at Ripple. Crypto area. I'd love to get some brief comments here. Do you think this is a shot at Ripple's utility? Uh, mute button, Ari.
3: All right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That is interesting. I didn't see that tweet. That is so interesting. So stop talking about technology and start demonstrating the utility well start demonstrating the utility i don't think that's at i don't think that's directed towards xrp because xrp has demonstrated successfully its utility so maybe what they're saying is just the space is full of tokens that have been used to raise money and don't really have a use case and i can see the point you know with the thousands of tokens that are out there, that there's a lot that don't have utilities. So uh, but I don't think it's directed at XRP at all or Ripple.
0: Thank you, and I'd love to get into another article. But before we do that, we're going to show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore. Thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place. So you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value. And more importantly, your daily gains losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands. So you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and send you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to merlincrypto.com. That's merlincrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. And for any of our listeners, I'm sure you're familiar with the Merlin product. But guys, if you didn't know, 30 days absolutely free. And go join our waitlist down below. As in May of this year, we could have some exciting news for you guys. But before we talk about that, Johnny, I would love to break down what Warren Buffett had to say about crypto investments yesterday. But not until we hear from Anthony Pompliano addressing how he's willing to stake his life that Bitcoin is going to be adopted globally. I'll play this clip and go back to the group here. Here we go.
4: And if there is one thing in the world that I will bet my life on, it is the fact that Bitcoin's monetary policy will continue to execute exactly as designed. No one in the legacy financial system can even tell me what the Federal Reserve's monetary policy is going to be a month or a couple of weeks from now. It's impossible to plan. The average American cannot plan their life. The average entrepreneur cannot plan their business because they don't know if the cost of capital is going to be 0% or 5%. They don't know if we're going to be in a quantitative tightening or quantitative easing. But Bitcoiners know the monetary policy till the day they die. It is written in code audited by anyone in the world. And as long as that code continues to execute, that monetary policy will not change. And that is the beauty is that you can trust an algorithm just as you do in the rest of your life. You trust Google to give you answers rather than ask your friend. You trust Spotify to give you music recommendations rather than ask a friend. You trust Google Maps to give you directions rather than ask a friend. And eventually I think you're going to trust an algorithm with your monetary policy more than you're going to trust any other human in the world.
0: I I do think he makes some great points within that article or within that video right there, but whenever we have a conversation about Bitcoin, the number one narrative that catches my attention is back in 2018 or maybe even prior to that, could have been 2014, the NSA or Homeland Security tracked down four developers in California and documented that they had tracked down the Satoshi Developers. I don't know why this isn't an article or, or a concept that everyone's discussing. Because if that's true, that could be the most important detail about the Bitcoin economy that's being formed before our eyes in crypto area. I'd love to hear what sticks out to you about this video and how do you feel about uh, Homeland Security tracking down Satoshi in California?
3: Yeah, I'm getting back to my verification. Is it reliable? I I've heard the video, but is it has it been verified? Is it reliable? And we still don't know that. So it's just still, I I don't know. And if it is, um, if it is true, then I think that's great. But I I, I don't know, you know, why has, why hasn't it been confirmed? So are we, are we able to trust what that woman said? I don't know. I don't know.
2: It's a great point, John. However, yep. however, is it important that we know it? I mean, the, 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 the genie is out of the bottle. Um, sure. Imagine, we know the four guys that, that maybe make up uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. They they, they still don't, uh, they, they are not the CEO and the CFO of the company. There is no company. So right. the only thing is, it will give a lot of fuss. And a lot of YouTubers can again say, oh, it, it's going to the moon or it's going to zero. And there's a lot of uh, social uh, uh, crypto unrest. And I think in the end, it doesn't make any different difference. difference. It, it, that's my take. Absolutely. And Johnny, I
0: got somebody knocking at my door. So I have to run and grab the door. I'll be right back to the show.
1: Yeah, so that's fine. So, you know, when we think about is Bitcoin trustable, um, is gold trustable? Is silver trustable? Is fiat trustable? It's only trustable because people are willing to accept it. And ultimately, that is going to be the question that nobody right now knows today knows the answer to. We don't know if Bitcoin is going to be sustainable. We know that today it's looking like the potential foundation for it to be sustainable could be there because there are third world countries that are literally adopting it and saying we're using Bitcoin because we don't trust our governments anymore. And so if enough people continue to do it and countries and corporations aren't able to shut Bitcoin network down, then it can be something that can survive outside the system and be there for long-term apps. I just don't think we know the answer yet, but it sure does feel like if I had to guess, I think it's got, especially when CBDCs come and people begin to understand the, the downside of a cbdc and what it means or if the government start banning you or saying you can't spend it or you have to spend it a certain amount of time people will look for an alternative system and I believe Bitcoin will be that system that's going to be there. that's yeah, and, just- it,
2: and you know the payment system is, system is already there it it's called Bitcoin lightning yeah. uh the other day I don't know where I saw it but they are making already 100 transactions per second at the moment with with Bitcoin Lightning. Like, yeah. Yeah, just- yeah I know, I know all the uh, yeah
1: I, I do. I know a lot of people, and especially in the audience, hate Bitcoin. They bash it. They think it's terrible. And it doesn't have to be the best technology that's going to win, as we say all the time. It's the one that gets adopted first. And it certainly feels like there's no question about it that, that, that Bitcoin has been adopted by a, a good number of entities, corporations, companies, countries, right? And people overall. I think it's here to stay. Will there be better systems? Of course, technology always improves. It always gets better over time. That's how technology works. Um, but I think, from a perspective of this conversation, of just will it be here? Will it be a potential um, store of value? I think for first world countries, I think so. I think potentially in for third. But now remember this, guys. Just like gold and silver, it's manipulated. If you don't think gold, you and we all know. JP Morgan got fined so many times for manipulating gold and silver, right? Billions. Bitcoin will also get manipulated. Guarantee it. There's only so much of it 21 million. And we know you
0: know, companies in the US- government- Let me build up what you said, Johnny. I didn't mean to cut you off, but we have evidence of it, right? The second that they opened up the futures market and Mark Yusko highlighted this on our show, why are they not willing to open up a spot ETF, but they're willing to allow a futures ETF? You can short the market through that JP Morgan product. And the second that they offered that back in 2017, that was the beginning of our two-year bear market. So you got clear evidence for the manipulation right there.
1: That's my point. So it doesn't matter what system is in play. It's always going to get manipulated. Gold gets manipulated. Silver gets manipulated. Fiat currency, we know, is majorly manipulated. And so will Bitcoin or any other digital solution. Don't think, like says, oh, it's safe and it can't be, you know, it's going to be, the. you know what the algorithm is. Well, yeah, you know what the algorithm is. But guess what? Two things. One, if 50% of the validators vote, they could actually change the algorithm. Nobody knows that, but you actually can. So they can't increase 21 million, but you need, you know, majority vote, but it can happen And number two. And so if you own enough of it, you can change it. So, I mean, just, just the, the point of my message here is anything in the world can be manipulated and and it most likely will be. So that's how you should think about any of these systems going forward. And that's why at the end of the day, what's the best system? I think diversification. Have a little gold, have a little silver, have a little fiat, have a little crypto, have a little real estate. A little bit of everything is probably the best bet. And yes, a couple of cans there. of tuna. And don't forget, Kiyosaki says it all the time. You can't eat your gold. You can't eat your silver. But you can eat cans of tuna. I agree with him. Cans of tuna and seeds so you can plant your own food.
0: Before we continue with the show, we are about to address our most important article for today as the Digital Currency Monetary Authority is launching an international central bank digital currency. But you provided a lot of truth before the episode, and we're going to allow you to share that here. Before we get into that, any closing remarks on Bitcoin and what Johnny and Andrew had to say? How do you feel
4: how
3: do you feel about the adoption and where we currently are today? Oh, I, for, for Bitcoin, I think the adoption is going quite well. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm I'm definitely bullish on Bitcoin and I'm long term and it's one of the few the few assets. I have I have, I think some 36 that I hold and I'm very often a trader more than a hodler. And I've come in and out of many, many, including Doge all the way back from 2017. I think I've gone in and out of Doge, maybe the most of all of them, even XRP twice in and out fully 100%. So, But Bitcoin is the only one I have held on and have never sold. So um, I think that a, a lot of people are going to be in that asset class, and I'm very positive on it. So that's how I feel about that. And if we go to that article, yeah, the the uh, the company is this digital currency monetary authority is really a, is not anything but a a company that is trying to scam people with a coin called uh, Unicoin, and it's got the U uh, M U-M, or what is it U M U. Ticker for it. Um, they, just, they really just did an official press release that looked official. They wrote on the co- coattails of the IMF. It, they have a Twitter feed that has only two tweets on it, 144 followers. The last tweet put out was in June 2022. It's, there is nothing there. It's not associated with the IMF at all. And there's nothing going on there.
0: And I think that's, I'll read through the article, but you got the gist of it right there, guys. This is basically a fake news story, and you can call it how it is. Fraudulent would probably be the word that I would choose to use for this article. As you you highlighted before the show, today, the International Monetary Fund uh, spring meeting of 2023, the Digital Currency Monetary Authority announced their official launch of an international CBDC that strengthens the monetary sovereignty of participating central banks. Uh, so, this universal monetary unit, symbolized as a U for any of our listeners, for, or YouTube listeners, is legally a money commodity that can transact in any legal tender, settlement currency, and functions like a CBDC to enforce banking regulations and protect the financial integrity of the international monetary system. Banks can attach SWIFT codes and bank accounts to the UMI digital currency wallet and transact SWIFT like cross border payments over digital rails with near instantaneous settlement. Now, I'm going to scroll down to what I thought was most important within this article. Although the IMF has not officially endorsed the UMU unit, the reviewing of the DCMA's white paper and in likely team discussions, the IMF has yet to state any objections to the premier rates and its monetary sovereign approach. Crypto Area, I'd love for you to just elaborate on that. That's a fancy way of saying the IMF is not involved. Am I
3: right? Yeah, I think this is just a fake story. And again, more call for v- these verification of press releases, company announcements, market research. Um, it, there's just not a, enough reliable, trusted <laughs> market news out there. I mean, look at the website, just look at the website I and mean, talk about amateur. And there's just, I can't, I can't believe that, um, yeah, I can't believe they even tried to do what they tried to do. I mean, I would love to know who's behind this, but it's kind of a waste of time.
0: Johnny, the marketing behind this thing is hilarious. They're calling crypto, they're calling central bank digital currencies crypto 2.0 because it's an improvement of the existing product today. If that's not hypocritical, I don't know what is, but I'd love to get some brief comments from this. And then we're going to talk about the Ethereum upgrade happening today. That's how you
1: do it. That's how, when America killed central banks in America, it was actually called first central bank was called U.S. Central Bank. They killed it because you know, they knew how bad they were. So what did they do? They renamed it the second time around. They didn't call it central bank again. You know what they call it? The Federal Reserve. <laughs> it sounds incredibly governmental. But guess what? It's not a federal, Leon, and it's not a reserve either. But it's so brilliantly named. And that's exactly that makes perfect sense. The call CBDC crypto 2.0. Actually, that's funny. We told you that was going to happen on the show. We literally said crypto will be CBDCs. That's what. Hey, what do we say? We all that. It's right here. Here it is, right? Well, wait, this is the narrative you're going to hear over and over and over again
3: from um. the
1: from the government. Right? They're going to tell you crypto is bad, CBDC is good, and then they're going to rename it. <laughs> they're just going to say, okay, CBDCs are crypto, and everybody's going to think it's crypto when it really isn't. And then and then whatever is left, the remaining of crypto. The few that get to play, whether it's XRP and whatever else that survives it in the U.S., you know, will, will be real crypto. But yeah, there is no surprise whatsoever that they're they're going to rename it. That, that makes total sense. I would expect that that's exactly what they would do. And most people will just assume that's what it is. And someday when they find out how bad it is, then they're going to actually hate crypto all crypto because crypto is going to be associated in synonymous with a CBDC.
0: Absolutely. Johnny crypto and crypto here. really briefly. I'd love to just address what I see as the biggest concern with a central bank digital currency. There was the Fox news segment just yesterday and we played it on our show when they launch a central bank digital currency, they're going to penalize people for carbon emissions. That's one of the first objectives that they're going to get out on. They're going to decide which car you should be purchasing, what type of food you should be purchasing, what type of clothing you should be wearing. And the biggest concern that I have is number one, these are unelected officials, but number two, in 2020, many of the misinformation that was circulating and people were being penalized for is considered truth today. So, if people had the power back then to shut down bank accounts and shut down social medias, not only do I believe we would have seen that, I believe we're going to see it in the future. So, to set America up for that type of a situation during our next quote unquote pandemic or or pandemic, whatever you'd like to call it, I do think we will have a situation where UBI is in America, social credit scores are being implemented. And if you're just looking at 2027 alone, It's like Mark Yusko says, we'll be coming right out of the fight you stage and into the mass adoption. So I'd just like to hear your thoughts. Are you concerned about Mm -hmm. the people who are launching a CBDC deciding not only what's truth, but how people should be living?
3: Well, of course I'm concerned and I have been sharing a lot of the um, comments that are coming out of Christine Lagarde and it's scary um, what she is saying, but I think that the world is becoming aware of the risk and what a slippery slope this is going to be. And I think at the end of the day, again, I'm, I'm an optimist. I think people are going to force the elected officials to, to do the right thing and put the privacy um, protections in place. And I don't, think, I don't think people are going to just roll over and accept all of the, our privacy being exposed and controlled. I just don't think it'll happen. I think they're going to try, absolutely, but I just don't think it's going to happen. At the it, Finally, I think there'll be enough pushback from people who are understanding what's happening to them. And in the, um, the democratic countries around the world, I think are going to force their elected representatives to comply with the wants and needs of the people. That's just how I feel. I think eventually it's going to work out.
0: Johnny, something interesting I found out this week is right now in France, there are 9 million people currently protesting and out in the streets after they outlawed those protests. Well, what stuck out to me is somebody, I live in Florida, I live in America. I have not been following this nearly as close as I should have. And the reason for that is because if the mainstream media doesn't point a camera in that direction, for the majority of people, these these events cease to exist. If it's not on your screen, it's not happening. So the fact that they're not covering these uh, protests in America on mainstream media, it's very telling about what's going on right now. I'd just like to get some overall thoughts from you.
1: Uh, you nail it spot on. People only talk about and do whatever oh. they see on CNN and MSV, Fox and all those channels. And if it's not on there, nobody's aware of it. And that's the problem with our country nowadays is that you only get to hear or see what, what the select few people that control those, you know, I think it's six people control all the media channels in the country. In our country, so those six people decide what you see. And thankfully for a social media and stuff like that, maybe that's the only way you can actually get to see something outside of what you're going to be shown there. But the masses won't see it, and that is therein lies the major problem, abs. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, I think what Crypto Eerie said is somewhat right. Where I don't think in America, particularly they will accept a CBDC where it's going to take away its rights. And therefore I don't think they'll launch it that way out the gate. Cause these people who do this stuff are super smart and they know that humans are resistant to change and they're not going to put something out there. That's going to jeopardize and take all your freedom at once. However, what they will do is put it out there and then slowly over 20 to 30, 40 years, gradually they'll take little elements away. Like it'll start out where no limitations. You can hold as long as you want, spend it wherever you want. And then 10 years from now, something will happen like, Oh, you know what? We're going to make it expire in a year. It's like, okay, nobody's going to care. It's a year. Okay. Then we're going to make it expire in nine months. And then six months. Next thing you know, when a week it expires. But I think that, you know, that kind of a thing will take a very, very long time and they'll slowly, gradually do it. But the problem is it has the ability to do that. And that's when lies the problem. But I don't think it'll happen out the gate in 2025 when when Yellen said, you know, she expected to see CBDCs launching in two years from now. I don't think out the gate you're going to see those kind of restrictions. That would be foolish of them because it will come with a significant amount of resistance, I think anywhere in any country. Well, I shouldn't say any country. Chinese, China will accept it because they're more willing, you know, they're just already accustomed to to those limitations. But here we're not. And I in other countries where I don't think they're used to it, apps, I would be shocked if they launched it out the gate like that. But will they modify it over time? I'd be shocked if they
0: did it. Absolutely. And I want to read this next quote before I get some thoughts from Andrew and Cryptoieri. The social credit system that exists in China today is an extension of a risk assessment credit rating systems that were introduced in the 1980s. Proponents argue that this will help eliminate problems such as food safety issues, intellectual property theft, violation of labor law, financial infidelity, and counterfeit goods. Now, of course, they're going to tell you all the good things that this new technology is but they're not going to tell you the concerns in crypto erie before i get a response i'd love to play this video of christine lagarde the leader of the ecb telling us how the uh central bank digital currency is not the same as cash
4: is it going to be as private as cash no so a digital currency will never be as anonymous and as protecting of privacy in many respects uh, ask cash.
0: well at least she's telling us how it is and there's one more video i'd like to follow up with this is governor ron desantis out of florida stating what they're doing to combat this technology
4: they simply try to do this and they try to say that they're for social justice so we recognize that as a threat to freedom in the state of florida we also recognize a threat to government colluding uh with some of these folks And one of the things we're going to ban in Florida this year is the idea of a central bank digital currency that they're trying to do. This is something they simply try to
0: do. Right there. He pretty much said it. They are working to ban this technology. And although I don't think he will be successful, it's exciting for me to see somebody being an advocate of this stuff or a contrarian to this stuff. But Johnny Crypto, you highlighted it before the show. If you don't mind, I'm going to use your statistic. Who's the lead donor for this man? I'll let you say it, Johnny. Who's the lead donor here? (laughs) <laughs> that would be George Soros. Sorry, you were muted there. That would be George Soros is the lead donor for Ron DeSantis. So although he, we could, we're we not going to call him an RSW, he might be. So I'd love to get some thoughts from you, Crypto Airy. How do you feel about CBDCs being inevitable while people like Ron DeSantis fighting back?
3: Well, having his voice, as you said, as, as um, a voice of of caution and, and sounding the alarms is very good and healthy and I'm glad he's doing it. And it, he's giving... Uh, waking up the masses to this, and we'll probably get a lot of people rallying behind his his uh, effort. But yeah, you're right. I don't think it's going to be. He's not going to be successful in, in able to stop it. But he, I think he will be successful in getting people to demand certain privacy controls. And but you know, it's interesting. On the social credit business, we have that actually. In the Equifax, you know, before you buy a house or make a large purchase, people do background checks on you with your credit. And we also have if you if you work in the securities industry, you have to have an actual background check, a a law enforcement background check. And so in a way, we have these kinds of um, social scoring systems already so it's not like uh, we just we just have packaged it in a different way in the United States, but they do kind of exist.
1: Yeah, there's some truth to that. I think the difference though is when you go to get a mortgage, hmm. your social credit, your, your not social credit, but your credit score is based on your financial ability to yeah. pay something and what your financial track record. It's not based on what you said on Twitter, right? And no. I think that's right. where the problem is. So when you talk of credit score, okay, you know what? I don't really have necessarily a problem if you want to judge people on their ability to pay something back. But if you're going to judge somebody's ability to pay it back based on what they say on Twitter, that's a problem in, in my yeah. opinion, right? I think that's where you cross the line where you yeah. go from a credit score to a social credit score. I really think that's the difference. And and yes, I get we're playing with the word social here, but the reality yeah. is that is where I think people will have the problem with in America is when you when you go now, Basing off of what people are thinking or saying or what their feelings are, that is where I think it becomes a problem.
3: Yeah, you're right, um, and you've got a sense of scoring too that it that exists on eBay. You know, based on your performance, you you get people who so yep. and that is also a little bit of a level of, right. a, of a of of a scoring system. Yep. Uh, yeah, but again
1: based on performance, right? It's based yeah. on, hey, do you deliver? Did you say what you were supposed Did you deliver what you were supposed to deliver? Was the product right? Was the description right? It's not, hey, what did you say on eBay? Or, or did you say something about the government? Or did you say something? Do you have an opinion? So again, I think as long as it's performance-based credit mm-hmm. scores, I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with those. But the yeah. minute you tie it to someone's personal beliefs, I'm saying I think that's where, you, where the line is crossed. I don't know. What, do you agree or disagree?
3: Well, when I I just I'm just thinking about when I heard the hearings uh, against the um, TikTok Mm. uh, CEO, you know, why doesn't why doesn't our our representatives feel that strongly about protect protecting the data from American companies? I mean, they were they were going on and on and on about how TikTok uses the, the data from the users in a way that they were. You know, highlighting how bad it is, but the, yet they let all these American companies do the same thing. So I, I, I don't get that. I just don't get that. Hmm. Talk you know here. what it reminds me of, very. It Talk reminds here. me of,
0: nice. of Warren Buffett saying he's not into crypto, but investing in Bitcoin through MicroStrategies. And that's exactly what we have for our listeners right now. But I want to break this down. Warren Buffett is discreetly sitting on over 420 Bitcoin. Berkshire Hathaway owns about 13% of Bank of America. And Bank of America owns about 2.5% of MicroStrategies' 140,000 Bitcoin. That equates to about 118 Bitcoin in Berkshire Hathaway's pocket. And to me... Pretty pretty great indicator that although to the public, he's not an adversary of Bitcoin, he understands that this technology is ready to succeed. And crypto area. I'd love for you to break down the article that we don't have enough time to really go through the details, but how do you feel about Warren Buffett increasing his stake in a Ripple partner as Sumitomo Corporation he invested in?
3: Yes. Yeah, so he just went, he doubled down and is going after more stocks of five financial um, companies, one of which is Sumitomo in Japan, which is uh, part owner, 50% owner in the uh, bank that SBI owns. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, they own a portion of the MoneyTap app, which runs on Ripple, which uses the digital asset XRP. They also, um, uh, R3 is also a significant um, part of the Sumitomo a portfolio. And uh, so you've got the MoneyTap, the R3, and SBI, which is one of the biggest advocates of the digital asset XRP out there. So in a way, he has exposure to RippleNet technology and XRP. He's just chosen to do it through Sumitomo. But if you look at, at what Sumitomo has done, they, they are all in for uh, crypto. So yeah, it, he's He's definitely playing in the space, but he's doing it uh, through his investments instead of actually, well, as far as we know, um, actually custodying the assets.
0: Absolutely. And it's a classic example of watch what they do and not what they say. And Andrew Cashflow, to close out today's episode, I would love to address the Ethereum Chappella upgrade that is set to take place this afternoon. Uh, The the Shanghai and Capella upgrades will occur simultaneously, and they are set to occur today, April 12th, 2023. The proposal of Capella is to enable staking validators to withdraw their funds for the first time. And currently, there's over $34 billion, or about 18.1 million Ethereum, locked into the Beacon Chain contract. This is pretty exciting, and I'd love for you to briefly address this. You had an interesting thought here, Andrew. You said this could actually incentivize people to use Ethereum. Maybe you can
2: break that down. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are always pros and cons on the story and for me uh, i always like to look at, at the positive side of things for me it would be a reason to stake my ethereum in in uh, in uh, or, 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 or to stake it here in, in this environment because i know i can get it out anytime i want my, my staking uh, uh strategy is when i buy a specific coin and i i want to stake it i stake 80 percent and I leave 20%, I leave on the exchange just because in case of a bull run, I can sell it immediately. And then when I sell, I unstake again 20% and then that that will be my next sale proportion. So and with uh, with and for now, Ethereum gives me the possibility to do that. You know, in the past we could do this, uh, yeah, staking. It was actually fake staking. We did it with Celsius and with BlockFi and with Nexo. You know, and those, yeah, Nexo is the one still existing. But those companies proved that centralized uh, earning platforms cannot be trusted with your money. Same like uh, like banks, but okay, they will be built out by by the by the taxpayers. So, uh, you know, st- stake stuff in a decentralized way and make sure you can st- unstake it. Sometimes it takes a week, maybe two weeks, maybe 21 days before you can unstake. So, adjust your strategy to that. And I think it's a good thing that we can unstake. And I, I predict that Ethereum will not drop significantly based or, or compared to the rest when this will go live. Thank you,
0: Andrew. And to close out today's show, Crypto Eerie, I would love to just give you a chance to tell everyone where they can find your content. For anybody who doesn't know, because I'm sure there are a couple of people out there who aren't familiar.
3: Yeah, it's, it's Crypto Eddie on, on YouTube. And I'm on Twitter a lot too with Cento Sumo Saba, which has a story which I know I won't go into because you guys got to catch planes. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with Andrew. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of selling pressure. We'll see some but it's gonna be 49% of the people are in a position of loss from the time they staked. So I think you're gonna see a lot of restaking and um, it does create a benchmark for yields in crypto, which is really super exciting, but expect some volatility. And with the million dollars in ether staking rewards that are are able to be cashed in, yeah, that's where you're gonna see maybe some potential selling pressure. But I, I think that a lot of people are just Writing stories to create buzz, but I, I don't worry too much.
0: Absolutely, and thank you for making time for us this morning, Crypto Ari. She is right; we all have planes to catch, and we are on our way to Arizona. But we got 431 live listeners joining us. Show us some love! Smash that like button, and thank you to Crypto Ari for joining the show today. I'm not sure how the show's going to be on Thursday and Friday. It's going to be a little bit unorthodox, but starting next Monday, we will be right back to normal. So, like we always say, Warriors rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us let's go
3: safe travels
0: thank you thank you